Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. All right, welcome in to On the Beat. I'm your host, Ross Martin. Tommy Ashley is out with an upper body. Um, <laughs> John Bowman, we knew John wasn't going to be here. Uh, we learned last minute Tommy wasn't going to be able to go. So right now it's me and Adam Smith, uh, Inside Carolina's lead beat writer. And we're going to hopefully get a special guest here in a bit that will make this a great show. Tonight, coming off a UNC's 65-64 loss to Pitt. Uh, and then Duke coming up right on the corner. Duke game on Saturday. We have uh, interviews and press conferences tomorrow. Um, it is – we're deep in it right now. Adam, what's going on, man? Uh, Ross, first of all, thank you for uh, all your efforts getting this thing off the ground. Um, I, I, that was pretty funny when you said Tommy had an upper body because that was – he's a late scratch, I think you would say. Um, and upper body is correct, but – you know, uh, just sitting here, uh, you know, we are coming off the pit game last night, and then here comes Duke. Um, so I don't know what you thought about it, Ross. I, I don't know. Uh, you know, I've read some of the comments over here. I saw, I think Sean said he was pretty pissed. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I don't know why I expected, I expected UNC to win that game by, like, you know, I expected them to cover last night. I think they were an eight-and-a-half, nine-point favorite. I thought just with the way that things went, at Pitt right before New Year's, and I felt like UNC had been playing better. Um, I thought they would get Pitt, you know, in the Dean Dome and um, have a have a nice effort, especially leading into Duke. But uh, I was wrong about that. Yeah, I, what do you think was the main issue with UNC last night? Why do you think? Hang on, let's add in Sherell here. He's in here. Let's bring on Sherell before we get into the talk here. Introducing Sherell McMillan, UNC's recruiting guy. And obviously does a lot of stuff on the team as well. Here we go. Yes. All right, hey, Sherelle's here. Hey, what's up? The OG. Uh, it's your first podcast with Sherelle, Adam? I think so. It is. Maybe. I've watched okay. plenty. 
Yeah, I'm pretty um, sure it is. Yeah. Yeah, Sherelle, we we get ready to carry us. So I hope you uh hope you're stretched out and ready to go. Yeah, um, let's let's do it. Um, let's get right. So we're just gonna get into the pit game. Um, so Adam, what do you think was the main issue with UNC? Like, are, are you, first of all, are you concerned at all with that loss? Like you said, you thought UNC would, would win by yeah. a lot, um, and obviously you're wrong there. But um, you know, poor performances by RJ. I thought Armando wasn't by far didn't play his best. Caleb was okay. I thought he was really good at, at times. Um, are you concerned? Should UNC fans be concerned? What's your major takeaway? I mean, yes, I'm concerned, <laughs> to be honest with you. I mean, uh, I mean, there's certainly – it's what? It's February 2nd. It's Groundhog Day. I mean, it's not like uh, this team is in dire straits, but I just uh, – yeah, I, I think there was a lot to be concerned about. I do think it is an experienced, hard-nosed team that wants to make it a street fight and will try to punk you down. I think Pete Nance told us last night they talk more than anybody he's seen in the ACC so far. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought RJ Davis, I mean, how much is that eye affecting him? He's got a black eye. He's got that index finger on his right hand again, the one that he dislocated going into the season. And he obviously had a slow start before he really hit a nice stretch here. Um, how much is what he's dealing with affecting him? I would have loved to talk to him last night. He was not available for post game interviews. Um, you know, I mean, you know, the way Pitt crowded Armando, obviously they did, everybody doubles him, but, you know, there was a, another way where they doubled and also sort of cut off everything. They sort of packed it around him. I wonder if that's sort of a recipe for other teams to follow. I mean, I think uh, I think there was a lot to be concerned about. UNC hadn't lost at home, and, uh, you know, I mean, and this was – what's the number? I, I counted it up the other day. I think this is the fifth loss Carolina has had this season where they led by at least six points in the second half where they had at least a two possession lead. So yeah, I thought that I thought it was pretty alarming. It is concerning. I think you put that in your story, uh, your, your side sidebar that like this veteran team is getting these leads and they're getting them in the second half and they're letting it slip away. They're losing the final seconds or they, they had the ball. They've lost these a lot of close games, which shouldn't happen for a veteran team. Shrell, the pit game, what was your major takeaway from that game? Are you concerned? Should UNC fans be concerned? Uh, kind of open field for you here. Yeah, absolutely. You should be concerned. I, I don't know how you wouldn't be. Um, this is pretty much a repeat of exactly where they were uh, almost to the day last year. And no one in their right mind thought at this point last year that that team was going to go to the Final Four. I think me and Joey were on the podcast after their loss at Pitt at home. And we said, why pay attention to this team? Because they're never going to win anything of consequence. So I think personally, I'm trying to learn a lesson from that. You kind of never say never. But if you look at the body of evidence from this season, it doesn't suggest that this team has some kind of, you know, switch to flip, which I think might have been probably the problem that they thought they could do that. Um, there's still time. They have plenty of opportunities. Um, you know, like Adam wrote uh, that, you know, the Duke game coming up, they have to get over this loss. And then like Greg wrote that they've got a lot of potential Q1 wins on the way. But um, you got to start stacking these wins together and it doesn't get any easier on the schedule. So absolutely. I, I, anyone who's not concerned, I, I'd, I'd love to know why you're not concerned. Right. <laughs> so, so what, what concerns you, Sherelle? Like what stands out about this game in particular that, that really, and move your mic a little more. It's still like kind of hitting out there. Yeah. You can nope. keep going out. Yeah. Sorry. That's good. We can still Better. hear you. Okay. All yeah. Right. Um, what concerns you in particular? Like what about that loss and in, in, in the game concerns you about this team now, February 2nd, Heading, heading into the stretch here. 
Yeah, I think it's what Adam just said about the the second half leads and the inability for a veteran team. The most veteran team in Carolina history, uh, a starting five who has started almost 500 combined games in college basketball, that they cannot hold on to second half leads. That is the most troubling. That's the most puzzling. It's the the thing that frankly doesn't make a ton of sense considering uh, so many big games that they played in last year. And then even, even Armando Baycott, just look back to his freshman and sophomore year. He played a lot and they played in some big games, even though UNC wasn't, you know, a, a top tier team. So you would think that all that experience, they wouldn't do some of the, um, let's be nice, some of the things that are questionable towards the end of the game. Like last night, you know, Armando's not the only one who can call timeout, you know, in that situation when he has the ball double teamed and UNC's up one with a few seconds left. Anyone else on the court can call a timeout. So it's like, where's that awareness from, you know, these guys who have played so much? We talked about all offseason how experience was going to be one of the reasons that the team was really good and you want experience playing in, in in college basketball, but it doesn't seem like Carolina is getting the benefit of all that experience right now. That's the most surprising, shocking, puzzling thing to me. Yeah. I think Thomas right, Jansen is pointing the chat over here. Sorry to, sorry to cut you off, Ross, about one of the ways you can pack pack in Armando is because of Leaky. Um, you know, think about uh, – and, and I'm not in any way trying to, like, point the finger at Leaky here, uh, you know, but, you know, think about how many times he is so open there on those corner threes, um, you know. Gosh, RJ, last night, if he just makes one or two of those shots he normally makes, I think it was 0 of 6 from 3 and like 3 of 15 from the field. You know, it's a different game. But, um, you know, it's someone made a good point last night, Ross. I didn't know if you picked up on it, where it seems like UNC um, never seems to get Armando, Caleb, and RJ playing great at the same time. Did You, you guys heard that, right? Yeah, um, CL was asking those questions after the game. And so, you know, we got some of those answers from – it's a good point. You don't have – we haven't had a game where it's like high double figure or, you know, high like 16, 17 points to 20 points from Caleb, RJ, and Armando, which is, you know, obviously the, the three-man scorers for UNC. And it's a great point about Leakey and to a certain extent, Pete Nance. And like those guys have to hit threes when they're open for this team to be super successful. And, and RJ last night missed six threes. Caleb, you know, he missed, always misses a lot of threes because he takes a bunch. Caleb was four for 11. I mean, they're, I mean they're, it's an easy excuse, but they're missing the guy in the corner. They can hit the three. That's that was what Brady Manick was last year. That allowed Armando Baycott to be so dominant. Um, you know, whatever leak he, he brings so much on, on defense and, and X factor and rebounding from his position, ball handling. He is just at times non-existent on, on offense. And, and we have him out there with Seth Trimble. I mean, <laughs> there's just, there's just no shooters out there. I think it's really affecting this team. Um, and that's what allows a team to, to double team and even triple team Armando, which we saw some last night. And it, he really struggled with that. He's been pretty good through double teams. Um, but, but last night, he definitely struggled. Terrell, your, your kind of take on that and kind of how UNC's lacking that that part of the offense, the, the three-point shooter, um, it's just it's a little bit different from what they had last year, or at least they had in the second half of last season. A lot of the shots, too, it's not like they're contested or they're bad shots. They're just missing them. So I, I guess yeah. if there is some hope um, moving forward, because they haven't been bad offensively, but I, I think they're going to have to really improve offensively because now teams are, are going to say, okay, you know, the the players who maybe were hitting shots early in the season aren't hitting them like they were. So we're going to double, as you said, Ross, or a triple team Baycott and see what happens. And, you know, kind of like when you have a quarterback, uh, you, you face a team who has a really good running game, you're going to say, okay, quarterback, you, you're, you know, we'll, we'll make you beat us. We're going to put eight in the box. And if you can 
Yep. If you can throw for 300 yards, great. You beat us, you know, fine. That's kind of what teams are doing now with Baycott. And I, I think it doesn't have to always be three-pointers. Like, I think one thing Leakey can do if when he's that wide open, you know, he can he can drive a little bit. And, it, you know, they'll respect him, I think, for a 12 or 13 or 14 feet. I think they'll respect him. Um, and then, you know, that's when you can drop off passes to Baycott, get to the rim, cut. So there are things they can do to mitigate maybe not shooting well. Um, but they're going to have to have RJ and Caleb shooting well at the same time at some point to really do anything the rest of the season because yeah. there just aren't any other options on the team. I have always wondered how – this is great for me to say, right, Division One athlete, not, a, not at all. Uh, I was always wondered how Leakey hasn't developed more at that size, 6'8", and his athleticism and his length, more of sort of a slashing game where he can get to the – get to the cup and finish or just get in the paint, pull up and hit an eight to 10 foot jump. Right. I, I, I don't know why that, that has never happened for leaky. It seems like with his gifts and his abilities, you know, I mean, he's obviously uh, great at the things he does. Why, why that, you know, the little in-between game, the pull-up game and this the finishing, I mean, I think he can finish over people. Um, I don't know why that's never sort of, develop for him um for lack of a better word it's never happened so give me insight on that (laughs) i mean it seems like it's kind of the same deal with the team right like it's just he can do it sometimes but he just can't do it every time um part of it's just his mindset i mean he's he's not a guy who who is going to go out and you know get 20 or 25 points it's just you know it's not he's never going to be that guy never has been that guy um but i think it's just being consistent and being mentally tough enough and disciplined enough to say okay, this is my time. I've got a 6'2 guy on me. Let me go to the rim. And I think sometimes that's just hard to do when you're playing 40 minutes and you have the the, um, the opposing wing or the best right. offensive player from the other team. Sometimes I think that gets lost. So, uh, uh, you know, he's developed some, but I think he kind of, you know, the, the famous saying he is what he is. He, he is. And I think it's just on the coaching staff to try to make sure they put him in the best situation to help the team. And him in the corner and taking threes is not the best situation to help the team. So they have to figure out a workaround for that. In my mind. They need Corwin Walton back there. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, I I, I was sitting next to you last night and I looked at you. I was like, man, Leakey has not gotten better offensively in the last four years. I think he missed a mid range jumper drove and missed it. And it's just like, man, he really hasn't developed offensively. We don't need to bang on him too much, but yeah, if he's not hitting threes, he's, he's I think he's best when he drives and, and he gets to the rim and then he can get an offensive rebound. That's when he's the best. It's just he doesn't bring that aggressiveness um, a lot. And like you said, like that's just not his mentality. He's had to defer, you know, he has he, never been the first, second, third or fourth option ever in his career. You know, he, as a freshman, he was there with Nasir and Kobe White and, you know, he's all and Cole Anthony. He's always, you know, he's always played with players who've dominated the ball and so he's always been kind of the, the fifth option on offense and the defensive stopper and so he doesn't have that in his in his back to be an aggressive scorer but you just think sometimes he, he should be with this because he's six eight he's, he's he's strong he's built he's long to switch from that um I, I rj thought, I last year ross just i mean just to finish that point on leaky as we've been talking about it i was thinking about last you know last year i felt like he facilitated more and i think that was a product of having better spacing and ball movement with the personnel that they had out there. But I think there was some Kirshner stat last year about what, you know, how, you know, how he is with the, the, the nuggets, you know, like some Carolina's record when leaky had three or more assists, 
Um, and also Leakey's assist to turnover ratio was just stellar. I don't have those numbers right before me, but they were great. Um, and I felt like he, you know, I felt like, I don't know. I just felt like he had, not that he's making bad decisions, but I felt like he, you know, initiated some offense last year more. He would find, you know, Brady Manick was a great cutter. I can remember some cuts where he would find Manick, you know, with a, with a pass. And he also found Armando for dunks and things like that when they got hot in the, the second half of the year. I just felt like, I don't know. I don't know what Leakey's assist numbers are. I don't think they're good. I don't even know if he's averaging one a game. But I felt like he was setting people up more last year just to sort of yeah. finish the Leakey thought. Well, last night he had zero assists. Um, okay. Two points, <laughs> nine rebounds. You know, he's good for a good amount of rebounds. Um, zero assists in 30 minutes, one turnover, one block. This ends the Leakey portion of the show. Uh, <laughs> a question here about – and also, we haven't talked to Leakey much. He has not been coming out for interviews as much. And it's – you know, he's not one of the top players you ask for, but we really haven't gotten him because he really hasn't had that many big games. Usually the top scorers come out and talk to us. Um, you usually always get Nance and Baycon, it seems, and, and Caleb. We did not get RJ last night. Um, you know, and we want to ask about his finger. There's a question here about RJ's finger. I'm trying to find it. But, you know, he was off. You were wondering the whole time if it was his finger, it was taped. We don't know. Um, I just think he is so important for the Duke game. They have to have him. He's the most important player on this team. I think him and Baycott, you know, you kind of toss up there between those two. But he was certainly off um, as a shooter last night. Adam, anything to add to that? To RJ? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they need him to make some shots. I mean, he had become the second leading scorer on the team. Um, you know, he had – he way he had been playing over that stretch, he had, he had, he had jumped over Caleb and was second to only Armando on the team. I think he was eighth in the league in scoring. Um, but I mean, he got beat up at Syracuse. You guys saw it. I mean, he was, he got beat up, you know, he, he, <laughs> all the cliches, he put his body on the line to finish that game off and to take it right in the face from Judah Mintz. Um, so, I mean, I'm obviously, Hey, I grew up here. I'm fascinated by every Carolina Duke game. I know some people might say this doesn't have the same sort of sizzle as the ones last year, or maybe the Zion years or whoever, but, um, or Zion year. Um, but I'm really interested to see what happens Saturday night in Durham. And, you know, RJ played nice, had a nice game there uh, last year when they closed out Coach K's farewell. And uh, Caleb Love obviously has been sort of a Duke killer, uh, you know, in some ways. And um, I'm super fascinated just to see how that goes because, you know, I I don't know. I don't want to – I shouldn't jinx it. Uh, I should just stop predicting what I think is going to happen. I'm always wrong about it. Yeah, um, we'll get into some Duke talk here after the break. Let's close out the pit section. Anything on the Capel situation, let's just bring it up here. Um, <laughs> might as well talk about it. It was kind of the big storyline out of here. God, there's so many There's so many comments. I can't always find the one that um, – all right, well, Capel, you know, um, let's see here. There's that one. Well, so Jason Capel, Jeff Capel, Jeff Capel in his press conference after the game was kind of talking about how Jason has this weird relationship with UNC. Um, you know, he said he got snubbed and kind of disrespected in 2009. And then last night he thought that UNC posted a graphic before the game with a 25 Creighton Lebo with his tongue out, thought it was maybe mocking him or trolling Jason Capel. Um, Shrell, first of all, do you have a relationship with Jason or Jeff through recruiting stuff? You're from Fayetteville. Aren't they from Fayetteville originally? Do you oh, have no. any connection? Uh, with those? Do you know those guys at all? Uh, not now. I did back in the day, uh, but not now. But uh, well, go ahead. 
and and, and obviously Jason was kind of fired up after the game. Was fired up last year in the Dean Dome, kind of yeah. talking crap to people. It, it, it seems like he takes this this game very very serious and is looking for inspiration. You, what was your thoughts? Kind of seeing it on Twitter, I imagine, Shrell, kind of go down last night. Your your take on that? If anything, we kind of do a quick five minutes on this and then move on. Yeah, I was you know, following you guys and, and kind of what you were seeing and, and uh, what you guys were reporting. And I think cable deal is very complicated, uh, as everyone knows. Um, played on the Final Four team, but also was on the worst team in Carolina history. Um, so I think there's some feelings there. Um, you take into account uh, the season, Matt Doherty's first year. Um, uh, I'm sorry, cable left that year before. But you take some of those things into account, what he saw, you know, from losing to Weber State and then going to the Final Four and then 8-20, and 20. it's not easy. It's, it's a difficult thing to do. Um, you know, him and Joe Forte, uh, classically, uh, I don't know if we're going too far down memory lane, let me know, but Let's go him, him and Joe Forte did not get along. Let's, we can, the statute of limitations on that is over. That team was a chemistry disaster, the team that won 18 straight. They got to number one Matt Doherty's uh, first year and then collapsed down the stretch. Um, so I think he feels like he was being a, a good Carolina player back then, you know, by standing up to Forte and then it all collapsed on him his senior year when they went eight and 20 and just, you know, doesn't feel like he gets the respect he deserves for having the first, you know, career triple double in, in Carolina history. Um, so I think it's a lot of that. And then also all these guys are super ultra competitive and they just do whatever it takes to find something, whether it's imagined or, you know, fair, you know, uh, Don talks about how, fairy dust gets sprinkled on stuff they they find some random fairy dust for inspiration um to feel slighted so they can give it to their team so i think this is one of those examples do i think he's really that mad no i think there's a little little look at me louie going on with that <laughs> love it he um, always wants people to look at him i feel like uh ross just give us your thoughts yeah you, you've had to ask a lot of questions and run the show here like i mean yeah. that that guy and- it got pretty weird last night, I thought. Um, yeah. You know, you the, go ahead. I mean, it was obviously a deflating loss for the Tar Heels in a game you would think, that, you know, they needed and all that. And then the fiasco of what happened after the game with uh, what did Jeff say that they've treated uh, his brother shitty? He said something like that, you know, like he's had to deal with a lot of crap or something. And um, yeah, we so I mean, interview so, Jason, but that guy first. So first of all, this is like we we weren't really in we we weren't in the locker room. We didn't we weren't back there seeing this all when it happened. So we're reading this guy's tweets. Mitchell Northam, who is like a, a stringer covering Pitt, he tweeted out. This is what Jason Capel yelled outside the Pitt locker room. He goes, "Y'all gonna disrespect me? All I did for this program, y'all gonna boo me? I held this shit together when Matt Doherty tore it apart. F that sh- s. So I mean, he was." Like what a quote! First of all, like gold, and then um, and then Jeff in the press conference explained kind of why Jason feels disrespected. Yeah, I mean, I think it's good drama. And then we had Steve Kirshner, UNCSID, coming around, kind of trying to smooth things out. But he was a little because I think he got in it a little bit with Jason, like telling Jason to get off the court because Jason was going back and forth with fans. And I think Jason thought they booed him, which I I think they were booing Jeff Capel. And, and cheering Jason Cable. So a lot of mixed signals, especially with that graphic. The guy who made the graphics, I mean, I, I kind of I know him a little bit. I mean, he is 23, 24. I mean, he was three years old when Jason played. 
at UNC. I don't think he, I think it was a coincidence, a, a very big coincidence, but it was, that's why the 25, the 25 number, it was Creighton Lebo's number. It's just, they rotate through walk-ons and, and players for the graphic and, and uh, the 25 graphics. So it was, it's, it's a good kind of classic ACC weeknight drama. It was a kind of boring game in the first half and it got turned up in the second half. And, and then there was just the, the almost the biggest storyline was what happened after. Um, kind of once you kind of weave through UNC's loss. So win it there unless you all have anything to add. Adam, what, anything to add on your side? I mean, Jason Capel, I have a lot of bad things to say about Jason Capel, but I probably shouldn't do it. I just I, – I just Did you cover him in, at all? You, I was in school when he was in school. Um, he's, he's a little bit younger than you, right? Yeah, he's two, he's two years younger than me. Um, exactly, 01. I think his final season was 2002. Okay. I don't know. I think so. I think it was 98 to 2002. Um, yeah, he was on 8 and 20 team. Right, right. He was a senior captain of the 8 and 20 team. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, he was, as we've said, a starter. He was a four-year starter. He was a starter. He was a very, very, very highly recruited guy. Um, I don't know if some of that uh, – yeah, I have to be confident, I guess, in this game. I don't know if some of that confidence – you know, I have seen him um, when he was coaching at App State as the head coach. Uh you know, sometimes I wasn't impressed with his uh, his in-game performance and some of his antics on the sideline. Not that he's there to impress me, but um, I don't know, man. He played uh, 21 years ago, and he sees or someone sees a tweet 21 years ago, and somehow Creighton Lebo wearing number 25 two decades two decades since he played is a shot at him. I don't know. Somebody made a good point that they used Puff Johnson as the as a graphic the last time they played at Pitt. Was that a was that some sort of allusion to yeah. to Cam transferring? I mean, Puff's from what? Moon Township. Like why not put him on there? His dad played at Pitt too. It's uh, just it's just, it's all stupid is what it is. Like what what are we doing? What are we doing? It's completely this, stupid. And, and this, Ross was talking about the, the person who makes those. I think we heard that he grew up a Kentucky fan. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, it's just absurd. It, you know, Sherelle and I obviously go back a certain ways. I mean, it is kind of unbelievable to think about how many people have come off that court in Chapel Hill screaming all sorts of ridiculous stuff. You know, I will never forget, uh, you know, an NC State staff, couple staff members talking about wine and cheese, wine and cheese after they beat Carolina one day, uh, one Saturday in the Dean Dome. I was thinking like, what, what in the world? And, when Austin Rivers hit the shot, it was absolute bedlam in those hallways. Uh, so, I don't know, man. Yeah. You know, like, One thing, like, I mean. Jason did walk off the court, as Ross said last year, calling Carolina soft. So, like. So, yeah, what do you expect? You get, you're going to go to somebody's. You, obviously, you beat him, so you can talk as much as you want. True. But don't get, up, don't get upset when, like, maybe they there's a troll, intentional or not, back at you. Like, what are we doing? Are, are, we, are we 12? What are we doing? This is college basketball. This is the ACC. Like, let's all grow up and stop being soft. Uh, I would say one thing is is that teams take tons of pride of beating Carolina in the Smith Center. Like, that's a big deal. I mean, it just like kind of like Duke, I imagine, too. Like, going in the Smith Center with Jordan in the rafters, Hansborough in the rafters, and, uh, you know, fifteen to 20,000 Carolina blue-clad fans cheering and, and shutting them up and winning. It's a big deal, and, I, and UNC gets – that's they get some of the best shots there, and and now Jeff Capel's beat Hubert twice now, back to back home games in the Smith Center, and I think five of the last six 
obviously both games this season. So this pit it become a little bit of a, a rivalry yeah. in some in some sense with some bad blood there. It's very interesting. We're gonna take a break here and get into Duke, um, the Duke preview portion. Get your Duke questions ready. Anything you want to ask about UNC heading into Duke or, or Duke or matchups or whatever. Before we go to break, I want to ask Sherelle this. The last play to Caleb, do you call that foul there? I mean, he he hit his hand. You know, it's after the ball leaves his hand. I always think, like, once the ball is out, like, how much is that really a foul? You know, hit him on the follow through. What do you think about that play? Yeah, if it's a foul with five minutes left, it should be a foul with no seconds left. If the shot was off, I guess the whole thing comes down to whether or not the ball was out of his hands. And I don't know how all that would have been adjudicated, but let's just be consistent. If it's a foul earlier in the game, it should be a foul regardless of time, score, and place. That's all I want. It's just, I think, consistency. So uh, if I was a referee, I probably wouldn't have called it, to be honest. Um, but hopefully, if I was a referee, I wouldn't have called the one at five minutes or 10 minutes or whenever else it happened. Adam? You know, when, when Leakey was there on the side, for the sideline out of bounds, I was having Madison Square Garden flashbacks, obviously, to the end of the Ohio State or end of regulation against Ohio State when it was the Leakey lob across the court to Pete. And I was wondering if that was a similar call because they had – you guys, I'm sure, remember Ross was there. Uh, you know, they had Armando and Caleb up top that day too in New York where Armando said we we're, were supposed to, like, play dumb, be two dummies so that people would look up there and we'd throw it over to Pete in the corner. Um, but both Armando and Pete said we asked them after the game that it, it wasn't the same play. I don't know if it was designed to go to Caleb um i don't think caleb said it was, was a sim green. caleb said it was a similar design when i talked to it, him it was similar but i don't know if i don't know if caleb was supposed to end up with the ball is what i'm saying yeah um, I think caleb was the second option okay okay is what he said what he told us i don't know all Who right was the first option i think it was kind of a pete nance situation is what okay. i took from it i don't know it all runs together um all right let's take a break here get your duke questions ready we'll come back we'll preview the duke game Saturday night at 6.30 on ESPN and Cameron Indoor Stadium. First one talking about Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com, your one-stop shop for all your UNC apparel, tailgating, office, home needs on Franklin Street and online at JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Remember, all inside Carolina subscribers get 10% off with the promo code found on the premium message boards. Get you a sweatshirt, get you hats, jerseys. It's baseball season coming up here, basketball season. Uh, great place to get all your shopping done for birthdays, um, special events. Johnny T-shirt, JohnnyT-shirt.com, independent, privately owned company. Support them. If you're going to get UNC stuff, make sure you make it Johnny T-shirt. Tell them Inside Carolina sent you. Remember to use that 10% off discount code. Take a quick break. We'll be right back with more On The Beat podcast with Inside Carolina. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. 
Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. My days working and taking care of my little ones can be a lot. I checked out care.com and it was so easy for me to find local, experienced, and background check sitters. Finding our babysitter was way more affordable than I thought. Care.com makes it super easy. Search for qualified candidates. You can view their profiles, read reviews and ratings, check their availability, send messages directly, get the help that you need. Care.com should be every person's go-to. All right, we are back. Remember, guys, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate all the live uh, viewers here on YouTube. We go live here. A lot of Inside Carolina podcasts now are going live. Um, do you all do uh, Coast to Coast Live, Sherelle? We don't. We haven't. We haven't okay. tried it yet. Yep. Yeah, and we haven't done it on the scoop. But I know the post games have been live um, with with Dewey and Tommy. Um, and yeah, Tommy seems to like the, the the live show. I think they're great, great interaction. We'll get some questions going here. We have 140 people watching. Rate, review, and subscribe where we get your podcast. Subscribe to YouTube so you know when we go live. Bring you all this great podcast content. Hopefully, all the tech is good. I try to figure out the the uh overlays and switch it to a weird screen it's, it's a little more complicated than you would think all right duke let's get some general thoughts quick general thoughts from both of y'all that will take some questions I'll, I'll go and lead it's it's not as hyped up both teams are unranked you're coming off the duke games last year which was the final four game i mean you don't get much bigger than that and then obviously the coach k final game in indoors uh in cameron indoor stadium with the uh, what 90 something alumni there and and you just kind of runs away with it i mean that's been the craziest atmosphere and kind of the most built up game i've ever been to outside of a final four so you're coming off these two massive games and now it's kind of back to you know february saturday night um on espn uh adam your initial thoughts on this game and we'll go to shrill Hubert Davis versus John Shower, Shire round one. <laughs> I guess it doesn't have the same pop as uh, <laughs> Dean against uh, a younger Mike Kruzawuski. Um No, I mean, I, I, I'm I'm excited for it. Honestly, I mean, obviously, it's completely it's a completely different Duke team, Duke roster than the same team that UNC cut the heart out of. Uh, to start March last year and then, you know, in the Final Four in New Orleans, uh, Jeremy Roach, I guess, is the only holdover, right? I mean, um, I think everyone else is gone. I think Roach is um, – Is the only returning player? I could be wrong. About, I should have their roster I mean, in front of me. But, I mean, I, mean, I believe it. That's no, nuts. that's just crazy. That's right. That's correct. Yeah, and, I mean, um, you know, I, I was reading somebody. Somebody said, who do we think is the biggest matchup nightmare? I mean, what does UNC do with Kyle Filipowski? I don't think he's like Ben Caro last year where Carolina completely bought, fumbled that in the first game in Chapel Hill, and they stuck Armando on Ben Caro because they didn't think Brady could guard Ben Caro. And that blew up in Carolina's face because Armando got in foul trouble. Um, you Let's know, get to, it, we're getting to matchups in a little bit. Okay, sorry, sorry. Yeah, all right, Sherelle, your general bad. take on this game. Like, how do you feel about this game going into it here on Thursday night? I think Carolina has to have its best performance of the season, um, maybe Alabama-like, um, even though that was a loss. Um, I think it has to come out as fired up as it has the whole season because even though we all know it's not true, um, everyone in that stadium is going to think that a win on Saturday for Duke will redeem what happened last year, even though it won't. 
that's the mindset of all the fans and the team and all the coaches going in. Um, it is a, a singular focus, I would imagine, that not only did UNC ruin Coach K's last game, but they ended their season last year. And this is the first time they played since then. So um, as much of a raging inferno that it always is, I think it's going to be that by several degrees, despite the fact that neither team is nationally ranked or in the top 10 or really competing for the you know ACC championship at this point. Uh, so I, I, that's what I would say. UNC is going to have to have their best game of the year to come out Does of there it- with a win. Does it feel – do you feel any hype for this game right now? Not not outside of the, the inside Carolina bubble. I don't think so. Yeah. It, it feels like it's something that everyone does every year because they're supposed to because it's Duke Carolina. But I don't think anyone feels any particular way about these two teams nationally. Yeah, and I, I think it's – you know, this is an opportunity for both teams too. I mean, both teams need wins to kind of improve their seating, uh, to improve their seating in the ACC – um, tournament and and NCAA tournament. I mean, Greg wrote a column about UNC being on the bubble. So th- <laughs> this is a this is a chance for both teams to get a pretty solid win and, and propel themselves to you know the latter half of the schedule. Um, man, I, I didn't even. You're, I think you're right, Adam, with the no the only returning player, Jerry Roach. That's just that's crazy. You think how much how much experience UNC is bringing into this game. I mean, Leaky Black's played four times there. Yeah, uh, he played his fifth game in Cameron. I, I don't know how much he played as a freshman, but he's been there. He'll be there five times. Armando's played to be his fourth game. Caleb and RJ both played twice. Um, and, and you know, obviously Pete Nance has not played in a Duke Carolina Rodford game, but you have tons of experience. And compared to only Jeremy Roach, so that, that is an interesting um, dichotomy there. So yeah, let's go Leakey to the was, matchups. Yeah, Leaky was in the uh, Zion Shoe game. He didn't play but he was there for that game, which tells you how long he's been around. That seems was like that, a lifetime ago. Are we was sure? That Luke's senior year? Yeah, that was that was the uh, Kobe White, Nasir Little, that year. That season. Cam UNC, UNC won two of three. three. Zion went out. I think he had 30-some yeah. points, right? Yeah, him and Cam Johnson both had double-doubles. And, uh, yeah, so yeah. that tells you how, around, how long he's been around. I can't believe once, that. God. Once that shoe exploded and they had to put <laughs> – Someone else on Luke, he went off. He was like, all right, I don't have to worry about Zion anymore. Because that was kind of the scary matchup. Like, you have, you know, Luke from Huntersville, North Carolina, guarding this freak Zion guy who was jumping out of the gym. Um, the image of Obama okay. there on the baseline saying his shoe exploded or his shoe blew up. You know, remember that? My word. What a night. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's pull up this question here. Uh weirdly worded here but i think it's you know the biggest nightmare matchup like some let's get some matchup talk here you know does ryan young guard baycott um i i haven't watched duke too much i know adam's a big hoops hoops guys you know every weeknight watching acc sports um adam you started up there you, you think ryan young's on baycott i mean do you think pete nance is on Philipowski? What, what kind of matchups do you kind of see happening here that of our concern for unc or, or, or favor unc well, what they've started doing, Ross, is um, Duke has started going – has gotten Derek Lively, <laughs> as we know, was ACC preseason rookie of the year and the highest-rated NBA prospect in the league. Um, you know, uh, maybe the highest-rated American prospect behind Victor Wimbanyanya. I can't say his name. I'm sorry. Um, you know, like, he's back in the lineup. So, when you ask about Ryan Young, they've been bringing Ryan Young off the bench. Uh, to sort of, you know, they've been bringing the experienced guys off the bench um, to sort of, you know, he's been banging. Um, you know, what do you do with what do you do with Filipowski? He's their best player. 
Um, he's super productive. He plays hard. He's super active. I mean, he plays more physical and aggressive than Pete Nance does. Although from a size matchup, it would that would you know you would put six eleven, six ten Pete Nance on six ten, six eleven, seven foot Kyle Kyle Filipowski all day long. You know, I would assume you would have Armando on seven foot Derek Lively. I think another issue for Carolina from a Carolina perspective is uh, who guards Jeremy Roach, which would soon be Caleb Love. They've had a couple standoffs here uh, in this series, and they've traded some barbs on Twitter too. I think Caleb's freshman year um, after Caleb had a big game at Duke during the pandemic. Um, you know, you you would you would hope if you're UNC that that Roach doesn't get Love in foul trouble if Love is guarding him. Um, I don't know what you do with Leaky. You know, I guess you put him on Mitchell, who's sort of a Leaky type player for Duke. He's a lefty, uh, kind of junkyard dog, garbage man, super athletic, crashes the boards. Um, but, you know, I was talking about Caleb. How would you guys, if you guys were Caleb Love and you hit one of the most famous shots in UNC history over Mark Williams in the Final Four, like, I mean, I, I just wonder how, like, an Armando or a Caleb or an RJ, how this game lives in their head. You know what I mean? Like, you, you've thought about it for so long, or it's been there for so long. Um, do you think about it every day? You know, like, what What do you think, Sherelle? Like, I mean, that's a kind of a very weird question for me to ask, but it just came to my mind. Like, you know, like, for Kyle Filipowski, he's never played Carolina. But for Caleb Love, he's – you know, his picture is framed up in all these UNC fans' house. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Caleb has kind of been the Duke killer in recent years. Sherelle, you want to answer that and kind of your take on some of the matchups that are standing out to you? I think that's why the worry is about them coming out, coming out not as fired up as possible uh, because it's like you kind of reached a mountaintop. Like it doesn't get right. any bigger than beating Coach K in his last game and then beating him in the Final Four in the first ever matchup in the NCAA tournament. Like it just doesn't get any bigger than that. Um so the hope is that they're they're confident but not overconfident because I could see how they would be overconfident considering yeah. how the last two games played out. Um, and Caleb obviously doesn't have a, a real confidence problem when it comes to shooting, so I think he'll be himself. Um, and I think he'll relish the challenge. Maybe maybe that's what he needs to to kind of get himself going. He's played really well the last. He's played well the last two games. I think he's like forty five percent from three the last two games. So maybe he's starting to build. You know this the story about. Um, Marquise Williams, when he played quarterback, was always that he was awful in practice. But then when the game started and he got hit, it kind of woke him up. So maybe this Duke game is kind of what Caleb needs to, to get him going. Um, as from a matchup perspective, uh, I would say the same thing that I said last year with Bancaro is that, you know, with Brady, you say, you know, good luck, young man. We, we <laughs> admire your sacrifice. You know, do the best you can with Filipowski. You do the same thing with that with, with Nance, with Filipowski. Um, while he's a different player from Ben Carroll, I do think Nance has the length that could bother him some. But you'd much rather, you know, Filipowski go for 25 or 30 than lose to, to Grandison or to Jeremy Roach or to Mark Mitchell. I think that's uh, the situation kind of, you know, where UNC is at. Let Filipowski get his, especially if it's on the block, um, and then kind of choke off everything else. I think when it comes to Baycott and potentially Lively, Lively doesn't really have an offensive game yet so to speak so that's not going to be a huge challenge for armando uh so that's the way i look at the the front court now roach is going to be a problem for unc last year i think caleb spent more time on trevor keels 
um, than he did uh, Jeremy Roach. And Roach has a bit of a size advantage on RJ Davis. He took advantage of it, um, especially in that last game in Cameron. I think we all forget because Carolina won, but Roach had a, a pretty good game. So I think he's the key to everything. If they can limit him and, and keep him from, you know, going for 20, you know, hitting a few threes, I think they have a, a chance to win, a, a really good chance to win the game. But if Roach starts to play well, then that opens things up for Filipowski and some of the other guys. So I, I would say really for me, the key is stopping Roach. And he's been playing better. He dealt with the toe injury that kept him out for a while. He didn't play for a while. Um, and he's come back and he's played, I think, two or three games. And he had a nice game against Wake the other night, Jeremy Roach, I mean. And you make a great point about last year. And, you you know, we think about what Leakey sort of erased A.J. Griffin uh, in Durham and in New Orleans. I mean, he really took him out of the game. Um, you know, and, and you're right. They had uh, what love on keels, you know, mm-hmm. similar body types, and and uh, RJ had his troubles with Jeremy Roach, and Brady had his troubles with with Pablo, Pablo Bancaro, like the rest of the NBA is having right now. Um, so, so uh, who do you put Leaky on? Who do you put Leaky on? Would y'all say on that one? Uh, you know, actually, I might put him on Proctor to be honest, and kind of figure out where love goes. Um, maybe love can guard can start on Mitchell just to see because you know Mitchell's not. He's not a terrible shooter, but he's not great either. Um, so, because Proctor is one of those guys who I, I've seen as I watched them the last couple of times. Once he gets some momentum, he can really do some things. But it seems like if he doesn't have a great start, then he he has the ability to vanish pretty quickly. Um, so, it might be a situation where if one of those two guys gets hot, they they switch uh, Leaky off onto whoever is hot, and Caleb guards the other one. Um, the only this one. Sorry, only, I want to say the only thing is that Mitchell's, you know, he's I think he's six eight or six nine, and yeah. Caleb's six three and a half, six four. So that could be an issue. Talking about Proctor, it always makes me think about some of some of our buddies, Ross and our buddies that that cover Duke, uh, have said that you know in the preseason when Duke has those days where they you know it's part one of the selling points for recruits when they invite all those NBA scouts and general managers to come to practice for a couple of days and sort of like watch training camp and get to know these guys. Um, they have said, our buddies have said, um, you know, they left raving about Tyrese Proctor and raving about Lively and sort of like mm, on Filipowski. And, you know, Proctor has has not been that type of guy this season, even though he obviously has a ton of potential. And Lively has been, at times, a huge disappointment. I mean, I think his numbers of, uh, of dunks to buckets, I think he's been – very, very much dependent on those lob dunks to score. I know he did hit a couple of three maybe at Georgia Tech the other day. But, um, you know, it's just kind of interesting to think back to, what, September or October, and some of our friends were just like, look, Tyrese Proctor sounds like a problem. You know, like, you know, he's not, he sounds like a lottery pick, and Lively sounds like, you know, the next Marvin Bagley. And then you watch him play a game, and it's like not what these uh, NBA geniuses had thought, at least uh, when they came to see him early on. Man, Derek Lively's averaging averaging four point four points a game. I mean, he has been. I mean, he, and he was preseason ACC Rookie of the Year, right? Freshman yeah. year. Have you seen him play? I mean, you know. I mean, I've seen them a little bit. I've. I mean, I haven't watched them too much, so kind of get to know the roster as we and, go here. And I'll say too, um, with Proctor, Carolina has a habit of letting guards who maybe aren't <laughs> the best shooting uh, or haven't shown offensive prowess get going all the way back to to Portland, to Iowa State, to Virginia Tech, to Indiana, to Cummings the other night. 
there seems like there's always a guy you're like, he's going for 21, really? <laughs> um, so there, there's a couple of, of players on the Duke roster. I, Proctor might be the top of that list of like, if we look back Saturday night and wonder why did UNC not win, just because maybe Proctor has one of those nights. Yeah. Guys, get any questions you have for, for Adam or Sherelle here as we, as we wrap up? I'll say this. I told Adam this last night. No one on this Duke roster lineup really scares me if I, you know from a UNC perspective like I feel like usually there's a, a Duke player or at least you know, two Duke players that are kind of scary recently because they've been recruiting so well you know like um Bancaro was definitely one of those guys Zion RJ Bear they've had some really good guards um you know they had some big men that just jump out of the jump jump out of the gym athletes and, and first round picks that you're like man how is UNC how is Luke Megan a guard this guy like how, who is going to match up with this you know, six foot 11 guy who is freakishly athletic and no one on this roster for Duke really scares me. I know Philip Housie's good. You know, he might be the one guy, but there is no one who is just like going off. Like, I don't think Phil Housie's, I mean, he won't be, he'll be a first round pick. Right. But he won't be like a, you know, lot, maybe he might be a lottery type guy, but um, that, that's my perspective. First kind of, all ACC I, player this year, you know, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's good, but he doesn't, I don't know if it's good. He doesn't scare me. Like, no, the guards really scare me. I don't know. That's just how I feel in this game. And then you look at UNC's experience and what they've done in the past year. And I mean, Armando Baycott can he, he can give you twenty and fifteen, maybe twenty five and you know eighteen. He can have huge games. And so I think if if I think UNC kind of has the on paper what looks like the, the better the advantage here. I think the spread will be. I think Duke will probably be favored. I imagine just because they're at home, but. Um, that that's just my take, kind of a, a you know ten thousand uh, foot view of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, this guy's got Danny Trey who coming in. Yeah, I mean, they they do they do let fans down. Like they have they look they've we just you've seen this team be so good in the past, and just they haven't played that way like they did last year. Like against Duke last year, you know they play well, they play the whole second half the, the Iron Five. RJ was so good. Brady, Caleb, like they were just so dominant. We just haven't seen them play that level uh, yet. That's another thing. Even in that game, I think people forget, you know, it was almost close to getting away from Carolina. I mm-hmm. think they were down, it was either 43-34 or 41-34 in the second half. And, and, you know, RJ made a couple of big plays and they were able to get back into it. But it's just that that inconsistency has been there. And it just – I. I can't imagine being the coach of this team and not knowing on any given night or any given half or even any given, you know, four minute stretch between media timeouts, what you're going to get. Especially again, these five, these five starters have almost 500 career starts combined. Um, So if there's any game ever, any game that UNC's experience uh, would kind of come to the fore, you would, you would hope that it would be Saturday against a team that is uh, a lot of disparate parts trying to still, work together and, and fresh and new uh, question, but we'll here see. From Garrett, question here from Garrett Chapman uh, how does Duke try to stop UNC uh, that will they double be caught you know what, what kind of things do you think Duke will try to do to slow UNC down uh, you know different coach you know this is not going to be a, a coach K coach team you have different philosophies here so it, it just needs some different types of things that Duke does your take on that Adam anything comes to mind shout out Garrett Garrett earlier for saying lively is not lively you know <laughs> Uh, you got me on that one. I'm my nerd was enjoying the, the nerd inside me was enjoying that. Um, you know what? I will get to that question, but I was thinking about earlier is Sherelle rolled off the the credentials of 
how experienced these guys are. You know what is always interesting to see when UNC goes over to Duke and plays is the reaction of a guy who hasn't played in the game before. Like, I will never forget Justin Jackson as a freshman looking like he wanted to be anywhere else on that court at Cameron Indoor Stadium. I mean, just, you know, was turtling, uh, you know, just like shriveling up. You know, like when you bring DeMarco Dunn and Seth Trimble and T. Nick, what is, what is Tyler Nichols' reception going to be like? He won't be scared. <laughs> Sat, no, well, that's what, what Hubert said the other – what, at Syracuse. He's not – Syracuse, yeah. Uh, Jalen Washington, you know, what if they, what if, you know, God bless him. What if he trips and falls or something? They'll, they'll never let him forget it. Um, the, the big thing is that unlike most stadiums, the fans are right on you. I mean, the students are right. I mean, you've seen the pictures, the, ooh, I mean, they can reach out and touch you. That is the difference is that there's a, you know, a row 10 deep of students that are right on you. And that is what's different. I mean, UNC Smiths are so spread out so wide, like, you know, a fan is so far away from the action, whereas this you have a wall of fans right on you. That's what makes it intimidating. And the, you know, I'll obviously you've got such we've got such a great seat there. I mean, the uh, someone like Brady Manick gives a bang bang mf'er. You know, there's no mistaking it. You know, even he does it three feet from where you are, you're like, okay, yeah, that's I know what Brady said there. Um, so yeah, it's, we'll see. We'll see what kind of dog. T Nick has got in him, but, but to go back to Garrett's question. Um, yeah, I think every team in the ACC is going to double Armando to some degree. Um, maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe they'll let him go one-on-one against somebody. Um, but you know, he could put some file, files on lively and he can certainly put some fouls on Filipowski, but they've got, they've got plenty of depth. I mean, Ryan Young is a banger. What's the, what's the Pete Nance, Ryan Young dynamic like they played at Northwestern the last couple of years together. Um, Did they play four years together. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I, I think they're pretty close. And he's shooting like 73% from the field or something. So don't discount him either when he comes into the game. Like he doesn't he's solid, man. Yeah, he doesn't look he like a guy who's going to come in and get 20 points, but he could easily do it. So uh, he's shooting another, 70. You're right. 72.2% yeah, from the field, 82.6% from the free throw. I mean, everything he shoots is around the basket. He's got an old school player, man. I mean, he'll just do a little move and he's right there. He's got a big body. I mean, he's not like this guy's not. You know, Chippendale, he's not taking off a shirt for anybody. He's a, he's a big body guy, um, but it, it's effective. It's like the, the big dudes at the Y. The um, other thing, too, is uh, you know, I, we don't think he's going to play, but Dariq Whitehead is kind of oh. out there, too. You know, um, he's been injured. He's missed the last two games, I believe. I, I think it's mm-hmm. unlikely that he'll play, but they're not saying it's just kind of like he's out. They're taking it game by game. But if he plays, that's another super talented player. Um, that Duke has on the roster um, to to deploy. Yeah, arguably, and, and, they're, arguably their most talented guy. Arguably, I mean, obviously, Lively's talented, but yeah, it's a great point, Sherelle. I mean, <laughs> they get him out there. I think you know who Leaky's starting. You know, if if Whitehead plays on uh, doubling Baycott. I mean, we mentioned this earlier, but it's just like it's easy to double Baycott when you don't have any guys hitting three point shots. Like you don't have to worry about a Leaky. You, you pull the defender off Leaky to double down on Baycott. That's an easy defensive move. Um, Shrell, as we get out of here, have you ever covered a game at Cameron? Uh, not a college game. Uh, the McDonald's All American game was there Jawaj year in 2001, so I was there for that. The, what was that game? The McDonald's All American game was in Cameron in 2001, uh, uh Jawaj cool. year, so I was there for that, but never a Carolina Duke game. God, you've been doing this for a while, 2001. <laughs> and I was in college, you know. Did you work with Inside Carolina in college? Um, 
in a in a shadow way let's put it that way i i had designs on working at carolina and they frowned upon those things at that time so i had to come out with a pin name and do a whole bunch of stuff underground Lord. Shat in a shadow way. That's a whole different podcast. That's a whole different podcast. Hear that inside, inside Carolina. Um, all right, we got here. Adam, your favorite memory? Anything stands out about covering a game at Duke? Oh my god! How many you covered? Have you covered 20, 30, 40? I mean, well, I used to cover a ton of Duke games anyway. Oh my lord! Um, Carolina Duke games at Duke. Well, the first thing I – well, I'm not going to answer the question correctly. Is the first thing I thought I was Dennis Smith dunk after the buzzer when State beat him a couple of years ago. Um, whew. Um, I mean, we were both there the night Zion split his shoe. I was there that time that Bayheim went crazy and ripped his jacket off and ran out on the court uh, when it was like a block charge call on like C.J. Fair maybe. Uh, he, went games, uh. he went insane. Um, Carolina Duke game. Uh, okay, um, you know the Hansborough class that that went four zero at Duke, and Tyler walks out of there with four, like four held up above his head, and obviously Danny Green teabagging Danny Green, uh, Greg Um I mean, Hansborough's freshman year there, I thought was that's probably one of the more memorable ones. Did you cover that one? Hansborough's freshman year, Bobby Frazier. You know, I'm sure I did. I was not a, coming to mind here, but that was an um, unbelievable game. Where they beat Reddick, they ruined Reddick and Sheldon Williams senior night. Yes. Yeah, I was there for that one. I was there. Yeah. Thank you. I was there for that one. Yeah. Well, there's been a lot of good ones. Uh obviously last year was was unbelievable. The design shoe game. I'm usually <laughs> I, I've been on the row a bunch, some, but I'm usually, you know, I play second fiddle to Greg and now I play second fiddle to Adam. So I'm in the back room, in the media room, watching on TV. But I don't mind. I don't complain. You know, it's cool to be in there. It's just cool to be in there. You're in there for two hours before. You're hanging out. Everyone's there. So you're talking to all the TV guys, you know, radio guys, you know, every writer's there. So you're kind of hanging out, watching celebrities roll in, you know, uh, gosh, Spike Lee, uh, rappers whose names I don't know. Ken uh, Griffey Jr. Obama, there. Ken Griffey Jr. Um, Pippen. Peyton Manning, uh, Tony Romo. Like you're just seeing all these people come in. That's always cool. You're kind of hanging out. You know, ESPN's right there. Scott Van Pelt's right there, you know. Um so that's always been cool. And last year was awesome. I was back in the, the the extended media room, wherever they're, I guess wherever they had it while they were renovating the the media room. A big I was watching there. It was like me and like three or four like TV girl, TV ladies, just like breaking it down. Uh, but it's awesome. It's it's the best place to cover. I mean, it is an unbelievable atmosphere. Um, no disrespect to, I mean, it's it's, it's way better than UNC's. So anything nice. else, guys? Trail. We, nice. we really appreciate nice. you you coming in. Otherwise, yeah. it'd be just me and Adam talking for 60 minutes. Uh, we got John. Shout out to John. Uh, he, he's, I think he's traveling. And Tommy got sick last minute. So we appreciate it, Sherelle. Yeah, Sherelle. yeah, no problem. I, I want to add one thing to look out for. Um, I used to track it every year, and I, I guess I need to pull it back up. But pretty much Carolina gets up by 10 in every single game at Cameron at some point, dating back like almost 12 years. I think there's only been twice where they haven't been up double digits at some point. So um we'll see if that happens it, it is a trend but that for some reason always happens even those those teams in the 2015s and 2014s uh the justin jackson game where you said he, he looked frightened uh that was a game where, where tokido was having dunks and yeah, somehow right. they somehow they got up like 11 in the second half and still lost but uh so just look for that carolina usually built a lead uh in cameron and then the lead usually goes away and they have to try to find a way to win you know between the under four 
I think it's a great point. And, and going back to what you said last year about that game tiptoed toward territory where they couldn't get it back a couple times late first half, I feel like early second half, if I'm remembering correctly. I think, you know, I think these there's so much intensity. These guys are so wired. And the games end up being so up and down that the leads can grow and the leads can shrink. I think that's one of the, the things that you see. I think, you know, you, you see those just – runs like that in, in this game. And you also – also I've always thought it was an interesting thing with Carolina Duke, particularly mm-hmm. the first game of the season, if it's at Cameron, is who gets gassed quickly. Someone – just because you're so freaking hyped up. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you, you think about Wendell Carter Jr., uh, you know, like and, – and Jaleel Okafor. I remember just sucking wind because they're so freaking hyped up. And three minutes in, you're you're gassed. Uh, uh, I think that's a good point, Sherelle, and – uh, I'm looking yeah. forward to it. I was I was thinking about that night that they won the Zion shoe game. I remember going down to the dungeon that serves as the visiting <laughs> locker room there, and the first person I talked to was Cam Johnson, and he mentioned Obama, and he was just like, you know, he's like one of the most famous people in the world, and he was just <laughs> talking to us, like you know, it was just unforgettable. You know these. These things can turn out unforgettable sometimes. So go ahead, Raul. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, it, it is, like, s- there's so much hype and, like, energy, and it's so overwhelming. You, it, the players just got to be it kind of so nerve-wracking for those first couple minutes before you get settled down. And you know, y'all both kind of said that in one way or another. So that, that's important. Like, those first couple minutes have to be so weird for, for everybody involved until it kind of gets settled down and get in the flow of the game, and it kind of gets into a rhythm. All right, let's get out of here with some score predictions. I know. I feel like Sherelle doesn't like doing these. Um, <laughs> I'll let y'all go first. But, uh, I don't really like either. They asked me this <laughs> on the radio. I'll, I'll start. I'll go. Um, I think he's going to win. I'll go. I'll go 71 67 heels. Okay. I think it's going to be close. I hope. I mean, the close games are fun, man. It's intense. Uh, what you got, Adam? I'm terrible at these, as you guys know. I think I was wrong in football season very regularly, especially when they would put me on the spot on the radio. But I will say, uh, in a nod to what happened in New Orleans, 81-77. I don't know if anybody remembers that score. Uh, Tar Heels um, on Saturday night in Cameron Indoor. Why do you think they win? I don't know. I think they. I think they like playing Duke. I think they like playing at Cameron. I mean, it's a shooter's gym. You know, it's you know, I think there's something about it that they relish. Now, sure, Duke came in to the Dean Dome last year and beat them pretty badly. But I think – I just think there's something there that uh, gets them going. Could be totally wrong about it, but I think they sort of uh, like the challenge of it. And um, I, I don't know. Coming into this week, I was telling people, I think Carolina will beat Pitt and Duke and then lose at Wake for whatever reason. So, who knows? I'll stick by and beating Duke, see if I can call that one correctly. Sherelle, what do you have? I feel like you have to do the opposite of what you think Carolina is going to do. So, like, you thought they were going to win against Pittsburgh and they lost. You think they're going to win on Saturday. So, I, I, I'm i going to go that they lose. Um, I just, What reason have they given us to think that they, this season, within the last four and a half months, what reason have they given to us to make us think they can go into Cameron and win? Well, I mean, I think, they, I mean, I think the win at Syracuse was, was pretty big. I think they, you know, I think they've shown a little bit of, well, I, uh, I guess Syracuse is really the only big road win. But as I'm saying, like lost at home this season, you know, yeah, you know, it's it's to me, it's kind of hope at this point. Maybe they'll they can get it done, but I don't, 
I don't see anything basketball wise that says this team this season is presently constructed and playing is going to go into Cameron and win. So I'll say like yeah. Duke 78, Carolina 74. Okay. There you have it, guys. We appreciate you watching on YouTube live, watching later on YouTube, and listening wherever you get your podcast. Shout out to Sherell stepping in. Um, we always, always, always appreciate Sherell's perspective. I think he brings something unique um, to the conversation. Appreciate Adam. Guys, rate, review, and subscribe, and check out Johnny T-shirt and Johnny T-shirt.com. New CBS Monday. Federal agents. Here's where we can see them. NCIS Hawaii is back. Start to set it up. New criminals to catch. Armed robbery, aggravated assault, murder. And new investigations to be solved. These guys were good, but even masters make mistakes. Vanessa Lachey and featuring LL Cool J. Violin Island, you got here. Welcome to paradise. A new NCIS Hawaii, Monday, 10, 9 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.